and welcome to a second round edition of our FCS Hero Sports Playoff Podcast. This Saturday was a crazy one. We had three seeded teams go down, and a few other ones could have gone down. And so we're going to break this thing down for the next 10 minutes for you. Uh, I'm Ben Fox, Hero Sports, and with me is our FCS expert. Some have called him Mr. FCS. It's Brian McLaughlin. How's it going, Brian? It's good. It's it's a lot better than being called Mr. McLaughlin. <laughs> In that instance, I'm pretty old, aren't I? So, but yeah, it was a crazy night. Definitely a a crazy night, and uh, it's it, <laughs> it it was a bad night to be a seed for sure. What we're gonna do right now is we're gonna go through each region and discuss today's games and look ahead to next week's games. And as always, you should follow us at Hero Sports FCS on Twitter. You should follow Brian at Brian Mac Writer. But well, let's just dive in. Let's go start with the defending champs, shall we? That's yeah, the North absolutely. Dakota State bracket. We anticipated a match or a rematch of the October 15th game between South Dakota State and North Dakota State, but we didn't know that Villanova would almost mess it up. So what happened? How did Villanova get that close? Yeah, Ben, I, I you know, it was uh it was a really good defensive battle, which I have to admit I wasn't expecting uh coming in. You know, I really thought that South Dakota State would have a, a really good crack at hanging a bunch of points on Villanova, but I think the weather was a big factor. It was it was cold, it was snowy at times, and kind of a mess, and it ended up being a low-scoring affair. You know, Villanova was very good at defense. Their head coach was retiring this year, so they didn't want it to be his final game. You know, so there were a lot of factors that went into it, and in the end, you know, it came down to a 40-yard field goal by uh, Chase Vinatieri, the uh, the nephew of Adam Vinatieri in the NFL. And I was so going to say another, that name. Yeah, familiar. yeah, that name is very familiar, and he's going to have a long future because he's only a freshman. And we we talked to him earlier this year uh, for some uh, features that we did on South Dakota State. But he's a great kid. It was fun to see uh, you know see that go well for him. I already have exchanged messages with him, and. He's, I guess, pretty busy uh, thanking people for praising his big kick. So that's pretty yeah. cool. So in the other game, uh, North Dakota State struggled early a little bit, but then pulled away. Um, so was this a complete another blowout in your opinion, or did San Diego like avail themselves well today? I think they did do pretty well. You know, the game was close for almost the first two quarters. You know, it was. I mean, when I say close, I mean it was like a fourteen-point game, but. You know, on paper, you would think a game like this would be a total blowout from from the beginning. And, and you know, again, the story we told a million times this week is that, you know, San Diego is the Pioneer League team that doesn't have scholarships. And they're going up against the five-time champs who can beat Big Ten teams. I mean, the, the, the difference there is so big, it's so vast. So it's impressive that San Diego, you know, was able to go in there and give it a fight for a while. You know, they looked really good last week when they beat Cal Poly, which is a scholarship program in the big sky. So um, great Cinderella story for this year's playoffs that San Diego was. But now we're getting into the meat and potatoes of the playoffs, and, and it's kind of, in that case, went the way you would think it would go. Yeah, so we got a rematch this week, next weekend yeah. at, at the Fargo Dome. Are we going to see another upset? Is NDSU's run going to end next week? I I have a hard time seeing it. I mean, you know, I got to look at it a little harder, but it was a last-second win earlier this year. Um, You know, South Dakota State threw the ball extremely well in that game, and they they won it on a toss, I think, with no time remaining. Hey, I don't want to go to the Fargo Dome twice and try to beat them. (laughs) You know, I mean, 
who wants that match up again? So, um, you know, happy birthday, Merry Christmas, whatever. Uh, you get to go have to do it again if you want to keep your season going. I think it's going to be a tough task. Yeah, definitely. Always tough to win in Fargo. All right, let's yeah. slide down to the James Madison bracket uh, where James Madison beat New Hampshire pretty soundly 55-22. So what happened? Yeah. Their quarterback, Brian Shore, came back from injury this week, but was that all that was the difference, or was there something more going on? Well, I, I mean, I think you – okay, it was a rematch. It's a colonial – you know, it's a CAA rematch. They hate each other. New Hampshire was very confident coming into this game. They felt like they nearly beat them in the regular season. James Madison didn't want to hear anything about that. And I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think they did a really good job of throwing the ball around. And, and really, James Madison's deal this year on offense, they've been real tough in the run game. But, you know, they had lost Carden Johnson, uh, one of their stud uh, running backs. They still had Khalid Abdullah, but they it did seem like they shifted more to throwing the ball around and sure ended up throwing for almost 400 yards. So it was a very impressive game. I think it was by far the most complete game by any team in the second round today. They absolutely annihilated New Hampshire, uh, especially after the first quarter. It was a little close at first. So it, yeah, was it, was, very, it was a message game. There's no question, Ben, that that was a message game, you know. Yeah, I was watching the feed uh, on ESPN3, and they had uh, um, James Madison's coach remind me of his name. Mike Houston, yeah. Yeah, Mike Houston in the uh, locker room before the game, and he was very far- fired up about some people he thought were, were talking about them. So I'm not surprised they came out and beat the crap out of somebody. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Mike, you know, Mike is a very – and I say this with all respect, but Mike is a very confident guy. Like when I talk to him for our feature about how – smoothly this transition is gone and his first year at James Madison he really didn't make any bones about the fact that he felt like he was at bringing toughness to the program that they were going to play a tougher style and that this was going to be a team that was going to go far I mean he he didn't give me coach cliches he really was confident in, in a very professional way very confident about what this team could do and I think you're starting to see that personality come out in the in the team in general all right, let's go to the other matchup in that region, which was Sam Houston State and Chattanooga. Sam Houston State got out to a quick 14 nothing lead and ended yeah. up only winning 41-36. Yeah, I, I thought that that game was the best. I think it was – it may not have been the closest game, um, but, you know, because we had one nearly good overtime later, but it was the best matchup as far as curiosity because Sam Houston State goes 11-0. and People are still doubting it because they hadn't played a lot of good teams this year. Um, but when they play people, they knock them out of the park, you know, the first half, and it's, the game's over. And here they came into this one, and it looked like they were doing the same thing to Chattanooga, and Chattanooga's no slouch. But then things tighten up, and that same D-line that the Sam Houston folks were telling me this past week they were concerned about, they were respecting that same D-line really harassed Jeremiah Briscoe and made it a game. I mean, that that ended up being a really, really good game. It was close. I thought it'd be close in the beginning, but, um, it, uh, you know, it it was definitely one of the more entertaining ones, I think, of this round. And Chattanooga was clearly the best team that came out of the first round last week. So that was a big win for Sam Houston, no question, man. 
Yeah, so what are we going to see next week? Just tons of offense? Over, under 100 points? <laughs> you know, it has that potential. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'm not afraid to say 80 or 90, for sure. You know, they both, you know, James Madison and Sam Houston can hang it up there. And they both have decent defenses, but they don't have, you know, the top defense in the FCS or anything. So, yeah, don't be surprised by a 48 to 45 shootout type game. And, you know, I just, the, I, I give the edge to James Madison because they'll be at home, but it, it's going to be a real good one. No question. Yeah. And, uh, we talked about, uh, Sam Houston quarterback Jeremiah Briscoe earlier. He went out for a few plays, I think, um, yeah. today. Um, if he's limited, how is that going to affect next Saturday's game? Oh, uh, I, I don't think it, it, Losing a quarterback couldn't hurt anybody more than it would hurt Sam Houston. I mean, that would be that would be tough. You know, I mean, they had Griffin, the freshman, come in, and we we did some stuff with Griffin last year when he was signing with Sam Houston, and he is good. You know, he did come in, take a couple snaps, and I think he he threw a ten yard pass or something. So, he, I mean, he's going to be uh, Caleb's going to be a good quarterback one day, but you can't take Briscoe out of this offense and not have it be catastrophic. So it's it's imperative that he gets back out there. All right, we're halfway through, which is, means it's time for me to do my Twitter plug again. Make sure you're following uh, Hero Sports SCS on Twitter or at Brian MacRider. Um, also, Sam Herder is writing some Missouri Valley Football Conference stuff for us. He's at the Herd 215 Okay, let's slide down to the Jacksonville State bracket now, which I guess we can't really call it that anymore, can we? No. <laughs> we'll call it the upset bracket. There we go. Yeah, both yeah. seeded teams lost in this bracket. Uh, Youngstown State beat number, the three-seed Jacksonville State 40-24, and Wofford beat the six-seed Citadel 17-3. So how did Youngstown pull this off? It looked like they had a lot of big plays early and often. Uh, was that the key? Yeah, there were a couple things at play there. I think, um, you know, the big question coming in here is, you know, we had two good defenses. And we had a, a really good offense in, in, you know, Jacksonville State. So what would Youngstown be able to do on offense to counter that and make it a good game? Well, they ended up scoring quite a few points. They were throwing the ball extremely well. They ran it well. I mean, it, it was like, where did this Youngstown team come from? Because that's not necessarily what they've been doing all year. So, you know, it was just a total, complete effort, and they did a really good job, I think, defending Eli Jenkins from Jacksonville State in the passing game. He only completed six passes. So it was uh, – it was that was one of the most shocking results, I think, in the, in the second round. All right, and then the other game, it was two triple option teams facing off against each other. We didn't really see much offense there until late when Wofford pulled ahead. Um, yeah. So – why do Wofford and Citadel always play such close games? Well, I think they they really uh, cancel each other out. You know what I mean? They they like you brought up. They run the same style offense. They know each other. They defend that in practice every day. Uh, they play each other every year in the Southern Conference. So it's you know that kind of offense, and they're both very good at it. That kind of offense, the whole idea is to control the clock, go on nine, ten, eleven minute drives, and just not allow the other team to get out there. And so sometimes it just, again, cancels uh, each other out. Now, the way to counteract that is to make a play on special teams or or break a long run or something. Um, Neither one of these teams throws it exceptionally well, kind of as we saw late in the game when Citadel was trying to come back. You know, that's not what they do. They don't throw the ball like crazy. So, um, you know, we had two. 
big plays. We had an interception return for a touchdown, and we had the fourth-string quarterback, the true freshman, come in and break a long run, and that was that. And then you had the missed field goals by Citadel. I feel so bad for that kid. I mean, uh, he's been good all year, and he missed uh, several field goals, but really, in the end, it wouldn't have made the difference. So uh, that was uh, that was kind of a shocker. You know, the overtime game during the year, Citadel won. So uh, that was a big win for Wofford. Yeah, and speaking of Wofford and their fourth-string quarterback, uh, yeah. how is he going to match up against Youngstown? That's Joe Newman. Yes. Yeah, I, that's going to be tough. Uh, Youngstown has one of the best statistical defenses in the nation. They only give up like 16 points a game. The thing is, though, Wofford has one of the best statistical defenses in the nation. And so uh, it may be a very low-scoring affair, uh, the way the way it looks. So, But uh, yeah, that's going to be tough. I mean, uh, the kid's a true freshman. He's, I think he'd only thrown, I don't know, a couple passes this whole year. You know, he's only run the ball seven or eight times for today. Uh, you you got to think that that's a tough matchup if that's the one that holds up and uh, Goodson can't come back this week. So, Let's move into our final region then, which is the Eastern Washington region. They're the two seed, and they took down Central Arkansas 31-14 on that red turf in Cheney. Um, the yeah. other game in that region, uh, Richmond upset North Dakota 27-24 on a late field goal. So let's start with the Eastern Washington matchup. Um, can anything stop their offense? You know, well, uh, Central Arkansas did a pretty good job there for a while. <laughs> but uh, in the end, it ended up being what it usually is, which is Gage Goober going nuts. Uh, so, you know, I, I, they seem like they get off to a little bit slower start in the first half than they do, you know, when they turn it around and, and knock people around in the second. So, you know, I think uh, Central Arkansas actually played pretty well at first. And actually, overall, uh, I thought this might have been one of the bigger blowouts that we saw today, but it wasn't that bad. So, uh, you know, but in the end, the two seeds, the two seed, they have uh, they only one loss, and that's to the five-time chance at overtime. So you can hardly call that a blowout loss. It's a good team, and I, I think they're going to be a, a strong favorite to go pretty deep into this playoff bracket. Yeah, and since uh, we got a lot of Washington State alums in the office, I got to mention that Eastern did beat Wazoo earlier this year. Oh yeah, yeah. Just gotta throw that in there. Also, yeah. you can't really talk about Eastern without talking about their all-world receiver Cooper Cup. Um, yeah. It looked like he re-injured his left shoulder in the game. He didn't come return, but he was also not in the street clothes. If he's limited next week, how's that going to affect Eastern? You know, I, they are so diverse with who they can throw to. You know, with Bourne, and they've got so many options with the way they do things. Then on top of that, you know, Goober can run the ball. Now, Cup is, you know, he's been injured a bunch this year, same shoulder uh, issues, I think, and he's just a tough hombre, man. That guy, he, he, I'd put my money on him being in that game next week. You know, not that's not him sitting. If he can, if he can walk, I think he'll be in there. He's just a very tough kid, and um. I do think they can fill his shoes, especially in a game like with Richmond, but they would definitely want him, you know, going down the line if they're going to want to compete for a national title. So, you know, he still caught two touchdowns today. I mean, the kid, the guy just gets it done uh, like the Pac-12 has learned for four years. So, yeah, he's uh, kind of a freak. 
he's he's amazing, and he's going to be making a lot of money next year. So, yeah, they definitely would want to have him there. But I do think they could win next week if he sat. I do. All right, let's jump over to the other game, which was, again, Richmond's 27-24 upset over number, the seven seed, North Dakota. How'd they yeah. do it, especially considering, I think, their quarterback, Kevin Johnson, it was his second career start? Yeah. So how'd, they, how'd they pull it off? <laughs> I know. Well, Kevin had a lot to do with it, you know? I mean, this kid was going to redshirt this year. I mean, think about that. Like, 14 to 10 days ago, maybe more like 14 days ago, he's he's going to he's gonna redshirt. Kyle Lalletta's the quarterback for Richmond. This kid's very talented. They're, they love him for the future, but he's not supposed to play this year. And he, I guess, approached the coach and said, hey, you can pull my red shirt. We got to do this. How cool is that, you know? So uh, he, uh, you know, he came in and he had a great week last week against North Carolina A&T. And then he turns around and does it again this week, uh, you know, engineering the drive and and, and the comeback. So it's got to be a devastating loss for North Dakota. I am so sure that they wanted to have that big sky, you know, that, that, uh, impromptu Big Sky Championship game since they didn't play Eastern Washington this year. Yeah, I think but, we all uh, did that. <laughs> I think we did, yeah. I, you know, it's one of those, I hate those ties, man. I want I want to see who's better, you know, and, and that would have had a lot on the line. But it's not to be in Richmond now gets to fly, you know, 2,000 miles west uh, this upcoming week and play on the red turf, as you put it. I think that covers it for our regional breakdowns. Uh, as far as the general FCS playoffs landscape goes, how does that look for next week? Yeah, I mean, you touched on it in the beginning. Uh, we, you know, we lost three seeds, and we very easily could have lost uh, up to two more. You know, they were pretty close. Uh, it's, it, I mean, this is if people love March Madness. Well, here's December Madness. You know, I mean, it, it, it's you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, the FCS level can be very unpredictable and. For those of us on uh, the outside looking in who are not partial, it's a lot of fun. Uh, for the fans, I bet it drives them nuts, but that's what being a fan's all about, right? So, yeah, uh, yeah, it's great, man. It's great. I love it. So I think that about does it for this edition of our FCS Playoffs podcast. As I said before, you should follow us, our FCS account anyway, at Hero Sports FCS. You should follow Brian on Twitter, at Brian MacWriter. You should check out HeroSports.com, especially the – HeroSports.com slash FCS dash playoffs, FCS playoff central. There's a lot of the word FCS and playoff in there, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. You should also check out uh, Brian taking over our Twitter account on Mondays at 8.30 Eastern, 5 Pacific. And we got a little trivia Tuesday every week on Facebook Live. That's Facebook.com slash News. We're doing FCS theme trivia all throughout the playoffs, and you can win a Hero Sports t-shirt and hat. Thanks, Brian. Talk to you next week. Yeah, appreciate it, man. That was fun.